0: You're listening to the Ones Ready podcast, a team of Air Force special operators forged in combat with over 70 years of combined operational experience, as well as a decade of selection instructor experience. If you're tired of settling and you want to do something you truly believe in, you're in the right place. Now, here's your host, former Prep Course Ops Superintendent and current Special Reconnaissance Training Guru, Trent Segmiller.
1: I know Aaron always likes to talk about the claps, and uh, from my perspective, That one was garbage. So you're in the team room here with uh, Peaches and Trent. And based on the the clap, this is going to be a hot mess, maybe a dumpster fire. We'll see how it goes. Uh, Chief is going to pull it out in the end, but I'm just here along for the ride. Welcome back to another One's Ready podcast. It's just the two of us. As always, thanks, like, subscribe, all that stuff. Visit the website, buy our merch. You're going to love it. Christmas is coming. And uh, I can't think of a better gift to get someone besides One's Ready merchandise. There are some other options, Uh, so you can see over my shoulder, because you're going to watch YouTube and you're going to subscribe, my Eberly stock bags that I love more than anything. But there's also, you know, Cardo Max, Adorex Pomade, um, and all that other kind of stuff. Fun fact, Aaron only has to put Adorex Pomade in his hair once because it's a hairpiece and it's not real. So there you go. You heard it here first. Uh, Aaron's actually bald. Hot take. (laughs) (laughs) So today, I just want to sit down with Peaches. We're just going to, you know... See what happens and I, I ask some questions of each other and get to know each other a little bit better, uh, which is weird to say after two years of, of doing the podcast. But, you know, like it's, it's a funny thing about the community. I feel like I, I know you guys really well, but also, you know, we've only met in person once and we've never really worked together. So it's, uh, it's kind of a weird thing. So uh, my first question to start off is, uh, did you feel your soul leaving your body when you penned on chief? Is that something you just, that
0: you felt? We're just I mean, we're just going right in. <laughs> First off, we started off with a terrible clap and there's only two of us. So there's really no reason why we should have messed up a clap. No. And then I mean, you just breeze right over Aaron's hairpiece. Um, yeah. Pe- so. People don't know that? I thought that was pretty common knowledge. Yeah. No. <laughs> Did I feel my soul leaving my body? No. Um, I didn't, but actually I was uh I wasn't also, I also was not issued a, uh, a thing to be upset about, you know, your, your sergeant majors, your chiefs and stuff like that. Usually it's, you know, haircuts, sideburns, um, uniform infractions, something like that. Um, if they do issue it to you, I haven't been issued it yet. Um, so I'm still trying to figure out what my pet peeve is going to be. Maybe it's just random people that happen to spout a bunch of BS on a podcast Maybe I don't know.
1: Is and that hammering like people,
0: s- yeah, hammering Social media? I don't like. I don't know. I don't know yet. It should be
1: the parking spaces at the the BX that are like reserved for certain ranks. You should inspect, make sure everybody's the correct rank to park in those things.
0: I, I had I had a, a chief roll on. I was senior airman at the time. I had a chief roll in on me because, and this is at Milton Hall, He thought that I had parked in a in a chief spot, and um, what it actually was was you had. He had several spots for, like, 06 Chief, and then the next one was Airman of the Year or something like that. And um, and I parked in that one, and he thought that it was a Chief one. And he he got out, decided to, to try and berate me a little bit, and I was like, well, you know, if I am, I'm, I'm sorry. But right there it says Airman of the Year. Um, And then do you think I got an apology, though? No. Did you knife hand him
1: back? Like, I'm the Airman. Of the year,
0: so I actually hadn't learned the knife hand at that point. <laughs> now that one may have been issued to me. <laughs> <laughs> you get the knife hand. <clears throat> That's but, crazy. Yeah, yeah, it's it's funny. The uh, it, it really it really is though. Some some people do have pet peeves. I, I don't have any yet, so we'll we'll work on it. How about you? How about uh, you know? Usually, as for people don't know that. Um, the stereotype is that when there are E eights or seniors that want to make chief, they become assholes, really. They are not nice people, right? <laughs> so I'm I'm curious, which, which way have you which way have you gone? Have you gone super, super chill, or have you gone, you know what, I'm gonna make chief and this is how I make chief.
1: You no, know, I was actually talking to my wife about this the other day. I was like, I remember seniors when I was, you know, like a E4, E three and crusty, kind of scary people. Like when they made chief, there was this weird thing. Chiefs are either like super nice or or whatever. But seniors were kind of like, you know, beyond master, but uh, uh you know, they're, they're they're those people. Like you said, yep. Um, but like I, I was like, maybe am I? Because I was texting with the, one of my uh, my staff sergeants out at, at Pope, and you know, I I'm just like, hey, bro, what's going on? Like I just wanted an update hey, on on something. <laughs> But, like, you know, like, it's, that's just how I am. I'm not going to change who I am because of the number of stripes on my, my sleeve or my chest or wherever we're putting stripes these days. And uh, I don't know. Like, because I, I asked my wife about it. I'm like, am I too, like, personable with people that I don't rank? Like, I'm not going to change, but it just, it just, it's not, it doesn't vibe with uh, a lot of the experiences I had when I was younger. It does vibe with a few of them, but not with the majority, I guess is what I'd say. But,
0: but like, okay, so <clears throat> what you just said brings up a good point outranking people, like uh, that's, it, and this is just me talking. I, I know that there's publications and stuff like that 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 you know use that term or whatever. But I mean, what does it mean to outrank somebody? Like that, it, it's kind of a. It makes it seem like it's a class system, which I'm not a fan of, right? Because in reality, or at least the way that I view it through my lens, is take take the squadron that I'm at right now. Some people would think that. All of the, you know, everybody in that squadron work for me, and I completely disagree with that. Like, I, I don't believe in that at all. If anything, I work for every single person. I work for them. Like that, is, they are the ones that are doing the work. I am there to make sure that they're taken care of. I'm there to make sure that their needs are being met, that their family's taken care of, that um, they're getting, hopefully, getting the assignment that they want. That doesn't always happen. It's hard, and and to think about that, I actually have influence on that. Like I've got very little influence on it, but I work hard to try and make sure that that happens. But like, it's just a weird thing that you know, old school military. That was the way it was. You know, I I outranked you. I'm you know, I'm all knowing. I'm whatever. But man, the reality of it is, is that you know, last December I put on chief. I I didn't there was no there was no course that wasn't a freaking okay now you know it and that or now you have it on now you know all these processes and programs and now people are working for you that is not true that is and i hate to say it but if you think that all these people work for you they don't and you should probably move on and retire yeah no it's. it's, it's, it's i don't know it's, <laughs> that it's, was a, that was a very random rant no, I,
1: I think rank does have some privileges you know and and I think it just it's an indication of maybe how long you've been in or your experiences or, or where you're at in your career and you know when I well if I walk into a room full of airmen it's nice that you know I can say what I want or whatever you know like I'm comfortable doing what I want to do but I'm not going to talk to them like I'm a better person than they are like I don't know anything and, and then it, like you said it's a level of responsibility and with like the assignments thing it's 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 my job to make sure that to the best of my ability, people get what they need and what they want and all that other stuff. So, um, I don't know.
0: Especially it's, you and your position. Yeah. It's like, stupid. It's, it's one thing for me, but I mean, you have, let's be real. You have more influence on where people go than I do. And, um, it's a, it's a arc balance, right. Between what's best for the person and their family, what's best for their career and their professional development. And then what's best for the air force.
1: Well, yeah, and, and I think that's sometimes where we get the disconnect with, um, you know, maybe our, our, our NCO core or like uh, E4 types is at a certain level, it's not that people don't care about you as a person. They probably do, uh, but it's just math. You know, I have to have certain numbers of people at certain bases, and, uh, you know, you get what you get. And, and it, it's really hard sometimes because someone – like this one guy, I remember, we gave him a, an assignment that he didn't really care for, and then – a guy got orders like three months later to the place that he wanted to go, and he's just like, "Well, how how does this work?" You know, like, and he was a little upset about it, and you know, like, he called me it. and he he was ranting, <laughs> but I'm like, "Man, that's just like how the the timing and the math lined up," you know, and and you get your assignment months and months. This is like a really boring conversation for people that yeah. Well, don't, we're, we are don't going care.
0: to move on from. Assignments. Oh my I promise. Anyway,
1: yeah, it's <laughs> well, you, it, it's just a level of responsibility is, is all rank is, and and. There are there are some privileges, right? Like your your office hours, but like you 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 police yourself. Like your so your office hours can be nice, or you know if something has to get done, you know you got a lot of people that you got to take care of, and sometimes like I know you burn the mid- midnight oil on a pretty regular basis.
0: No, I try not to.
1: The the eight o'clock at night <laughs> oil. I don't know.
0: No, if if I'm I'm under the. Um... I go with the hey if if it's not urgent and somebody's not dying and it can wait until tomorrow it'll be there tomorrow so i do that but that's but that's me there are of course there are going to be times where we've got to do do it but whatever but something that you brought up before we even hopped on which i think that most people would be more interested in than assignments what uh, and i'm sorry i'll yeah, stop saying what i know is that we've we've kind of come full circle a
1: little bit with the Trent here. Sorry for interrupting this video, but I just wanted to cover something real quick. There are times when I say stuff and I get a little bit ahead of my skis. All right. So if we're talking about uh, the prep course and some of the new naming conventions that are possible, I may hear things and then they might get stuck in this brain of mine. And then I will say something on a podcast that maybe I'm not supposed to say or something that hasn't happened yet. So, I just wanted to come on here and let you know that the name of the first course that you go to in the pipeline post BMT could change, but it doesn't really matter that much. And to ignore any of the naming conventions that I use in this video or disregard them until they become the real name of the course. So for now it's still the prep course as far as I know, and you will get what we've always talked about. The, the, the content of that course hasn't changed at all, but I do get excited about things sometimes. And then I say stupid words out of my stupid mouth that maybe I shouldn't. So we pride ourselves on accuracy here on the Ones Ready podcast. So Aaron uh, was looking at the video, and he yelled at me and said I had to come on here and apologize. So I'm doing so. Uh, Thanks for listening. And now back to your regularly scheduled podcast. Bye.
0: whole NDoc slash SWIC thing. And I'm pretty sure you've got some hot takes on that. Like, I'm only here to tell stories about NDoc. But uh, but you've got details uh, on INDOC versus SWCC.
1: Kind of. I mean, it's so the, uh, for everybody that knows, uh, doesn't know what we're talking about, the new, the prep course, the old SW prep course is now called the Special Warfare Indoctrination Course. Um, and if you don't know, INDOC was an institution for pay rescue and then combat control going further back for a very long time. And uh, from my perspective, you know, there, there was a, always a thing where I remember I worked with a combat controller and, uh, you know, he'd always talk about Indoc, And th- there was like a break between the Indoc guys and then the, the selection course and uh, CCS being the, the real grind uh, later on, guys. Um, so, like, it, it held a special place in your heart, you know, all that shared uh, misery type of experience that y'all went through at Indoc. And so when it came back, like, you know, I've seen – I'm not blind. I see stuff on social media. I know that when Indoc initially went away, there was a little bit of a backlash. And uh, it it is interesting to see it come back, and even though it's replacing the prep course. And so uh, there's a lot of questions, right? Like, is it appropriate to name it Indoc? You know, I think those are the questions that are out there. I'm not asking – uh, for the, the group commander, this is not me asking this question. I'm just saying these these are things I've seen. Please don't murder me. Um, TS,
0: don't get upset about this. <laughs>
1: we're we're just talking here. I'm just talking, getting myself in trouble. But you know what I mean. And but it brings back a lot of uh, uh, a a lot of stuff uh, from history. And so the thing, I think I wanted to get you know your take on it. Really, is is when Indoc the name Indoc came back. Uh, you know what was your reaction, or or have you talked to any of your peers out there? Is it does everybody move on from that? Or is it like a thing where people are kind of like upset about it?
0: Okay. Well, so there's a lot to unpack just in that question. One is um, I think I think a lot of the listeners would be surprised in how little um, guys on team um, know about the pipeline now. Like it, you would think that, that once you're at a squadron, you're on a team, you're like because we are such a small community that you would be – well-versed in what's happening in the pipeline. And and that's not the case at all, because you're so f- focused on uh, all the operational stuff, making sure that you're current and proficient in all of the skills that you have. And then you're deploying and training and attaching to people and all that kind of stuff. So like your bandwidth, and then obviously you got a family and all that kind of stuff. So your bandwidth is very limited and you're like, Hey man, I've graduated from that. I've moved on. I don't really care what's going on. it's not that you don't care what's going on there there there's just not enough time and and knowledge and you'll be surprised not much escapes um that place because we do try and keep it kind of quiet what's you know all the details like yeah okay we talk about it on a podcast and instagram but do we think about it do we really tell you all the nitty-gritty details of what goes on i don't think so so there's that so the guys don't really know So they don't, they're probably, a lot of them are probably not even aware of this name change. Um, what's in a name? Okay. Words mean things, but is it really a big deal? I don't know. What's funny to me though is that, um, so history lesson, I can't remember when pararescue and combat control combined to go through NDOC, but I can tell you that when I went through in 99, um, you know, we were, it was in-doc and, and at that time we had a prep course. So in the prep course was anybody that had either recycled or rolled back due to injury or failure or or failure of an eval or um, since basic training would graduate every week, you know, they would run in-doc every 10 weeks. So, you know, what are those guys going to do that would just, they wouldn't just be sitting around. So they created a prep team. So you had, um, I think he was a tech sergeant at the time, Jerry Souls, that started a, a prep team. And all these guys, and he would, you know, we were essentially doing in-doc through prep, kind of like how they were doing before. Like, that's what I'm saying. Like, all this is the same. It's just now it's 2021 versus 1999. Um, so th- while those guys are going through in-doc, we're also going through prep course. And then those guys would graduate. Indoc courses starting. All those guys from prep team would roll right into Indoc and start from scratch. Go through hell week and go through all the evals, um, which was huge because the the graduation rate from that was significant. I say that, but um, I guess that would probably be false because we weren't graduating very many people at all. Like my Indoc team was one PJ. Jeez. Yeah, one PJ, and I think one or two classes after that was no graduates at all. So yeah. we weren't really graduating, but um, I don't know. There a lot's a lot's changed, but a lot is also the same. Which is, is so it's funny. It's not just a name name change. It's we've gone back in in several ways to what it used to be.
1: Right. I know there's like a, some uh, famous. Uh... Uh, pictures on the walls, I think it's a CCS of the single graduate, you know, the, the pipeline of one type things. Yeah, I, but I, I'll tell you, uh, ATC does not like it when we graduate zero people from a course. It doesn't, uh, we get in big trouble, which I think is is one of the reasons why now. So like, even though it's the same, I think instead of just a tech sergeant, and he could have been, you know, the best PJ or combat controller on earth, uh, running the the preparatory course for the uh in-doc, uh, we, it's a little bit different now we the, the resources the the amount of money and, and the the talent that we bring in there uh to make sure that people have all the tools to be successful you know we've gone above and beyond so i think uh like you're saying it's the same but you know we we're trying to make this better and we're trying to make sure that the the candidates that have what it takes uh between the ears are are physically prepared you know and and, and get them out of basic training and and get used to the air force a little bit before we uh you know go uh you know, full, uh, full send on them.
0: You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, no, yeah, you're right. We, we are training and selecting smarter than we used to. Like, there wasn't developers at the time. There wasn't special operations recruiters. It was, here's a trifold pamphlet, or if you're lucky, there's the VHS tape with the, the tube TV tied to the cart, you know, strapped down yeah. to the cart. That's what you had to go with. And you knew what the pass test was. Dude, they um, still
1: have the other uh, trifolds for pararescue. Yes. I was over at AFRS a few weeks ago. Weird that this is the only one I could find. I think they had a sear one as well, but pararescue and sear, but nothing for us. I was a little hurt. AFRS, just throwing it out there.
0: <laughs> Not putting you on the spot at all. Yeah. Um yeah, so I uh man, what? Completely lost where I was going, but it's, um, like, oh yeah, with the developer. So developer, special operations recruiter, we knew what we had to do with the past. Um, and then you went in and, you know, basic training, you were in with the rest of the people. There was no special attention or anything like that. So a lot of the gains that you had made before going in, you had lost. Um, you definitely lost a lot of weight because we weren't eating nearly enough at basic, at least me anyway. So, and then when he came out, like, if, and that's what's wild. If you came out of um, basic training and indoc started the next week, you didn't get to really go to prep. You're just going right in. So it was it was definitely uh, a survival mode. And you know we still people still made it, but it was definitely survival mode. Whereas now we're definitely doing it a lot smarter. Instead of expecting people to just survive, you know, it's not like people in some parts of the countries just have you know a lot of access to pools so now you have you have opportunities and which is great and it's smarter training it's smarter selection and now we're rolling in the um the psych test and all that kind of stuff into it so it's it's just a lot better now
1: yeah i, I will say as we as we talk about all this because i get a lot of questions if you're uh, someone out there that's thinking about joining don't don't overthink all this stuff you know what i mean like don't Cause I get a lot of questions like, Hey, like what's the psych and all this other, like very specific things. And it's like, just, just start the process. The process will take care of you as long as you have the willingness to do the job. And uh, your job, as soon as you join is to do what we tell you to do and to perform these tasks for a while. Uh, and you know, it gets better after, you know, you get through ANS and then you go to pre-dive and dive. And, uh, I wanted to pick your brain a little bit about that. Cause, um, you know, like we were always like, hey, A and S is like a, a kind of a rough experience. But as you went through Endoc, and I think we've we've touched on this before, there there had to be some good times. Whether it was like good with the misery, and you know what I mean, like kind of like that uh the the humor through pain thing. Oh yeah. Uh, and then pre dive and dive because like everybody's like, oh like dive is 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 super hard. But it's like there were also there had to be some good times.
0: Yeah, I. You know, you could you could talk about underwater hockey. You could talk about doing um sharks and minnows and that kind of stuff like there were times where it was like okay well we we would get rewarded you know you're still working but it's not a um you know it's not a graded event it's not a an event where somebody would quit but i tell you what you're still staying underwater for a long time you're being competitive you're being aggressive um you, you know i funny times <laughs> so Things stupid and silly things happen, and hilarious things happen uh, during the suck. Um, you know, cadre whether whether they're making you do something that's for their own amusement, um, that's fine because it still sucks for you. But at the same time, you can if you're if <laughs> if you start thinking about it, it'll become funny to you. And then the team that's going through, you guys make fun of it. or you you know? You, instead of looking at like, oh man, we're just getting hammered. We're getting smoked. This is BS. Like, just have fun with it because you're not getting out of it. So you may as well get into it, right? I mean, it was just, oh man. But but there were some bad times. Like I remember one of the things is um, Tony Alexander made us do this one time. this is it i don't know two in the morning our our second or third pool session of the day so pool sessions are four hours as everybody if if you're not aware pool sessions are generally four hours and this is our third or fourth no our second or third that day so he would put these um uh, pipe or not pipes but like pvc pipes at each corner of the pool so you have you know 25 yard 25 meter pool whatever it is in the corner and you are not allowed to surface anywhere outside of that. You know, you got the corner of the pool and then the bar that goes rough. Yeah. So when you have 30 people in the pool, you know, it's, and when he says go, you go subsurface and you don't pop. And the only place you can pop are in those corners. I distinctly remember that. And that was terrible. Jeez. I Just lining up on a corner, subsurface, um, just waiting. Well, yeah, everybody's just, like, kind of um, tadpoles or something like that, you know, where everybody's just kind of, like, just enough to hear, and it is, you know, you can definitely hear, you know, one's ready, go, you know, and everybody's under, and we lost some people. We lost some people that morning.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's rough. But, you know, that's, like, that's, you know, teamwork and, you know, mental fortitude and all that other stuff. I'm not saying that that's, you know, anything that we would do now from our instructors, but... But you but
0: you're right though that's less legitimate teamwork right what what so if for the listeners out there what possibly what does that have anything to do with teamwork well if you like you're suffering right you need air but your buddy also needs air and there's no room you better help him out you know you you create some space like you have to you can't just be all about me like oh finally i got air i got air <gasps> yeah well you know, there's other people that are coming in trying to get air, too. So, move. You know? Right.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's good stuff because, you know, when you start tying that stuff to the operational world, you know. I know uh, uh, when you're you're getting hoisted by a 53 or, or whatever and you all are uh, there in the Thinking little zone, you, you can't have people looking out for number one only. Because if they're thrashing and pushing people down, you can't see anything anyway and there's that wire in the water you know, it gets dangerous. So like people, I think if you lose sight of, of the reason like we're doing stuff and being able to keep your cool and, and think about others and and maintain the teamwork during these situations, you know, people are going to lose arms or whatever and, or, or they get outside the, the, whatever it is, the wash and they're not making it back in and you fail as a team to, you know, get that training done. It's so it all ties to something and it might seem silly at the time or stupid or uh, cruel even. uh, But it, it, there's no one that makes it to the other side and goes, "Yeah, none of that made sense." You know, like you looking back, you're probably like,
0: "Yeah, it all it all kind of paid off."
1: Most, yeah, at well, least most
0: of it. I mean, yeah, you've you've done water jumps before, you know, or or been under the rotor wash of a of a twenty CV 22 or a 47 or something like that. I mean, the 53s were. They they weren't that bad, but the 47s and 22s can be bad. And so, you know, that's what buddy breathing has to do with, as well as, you know, diving. Because, you know, you can run out of air or your air supply can get fouled underwater and now you're out and you need to hit your buddy up and not freak out underwater. Because if you freak out, you will definitely get hurt or die. And then if you guys are, you know in a structure or something like that underwater, well, now your buddy might die too. So everything that we did, yeah, I, I, would, I would argue every single thing we did um, tied to operational needs, um, even if it's just stress inoculation, which is huge. I mean, you know, um, I'm sure you've been on a water jump. Have you been on any water jumps that happen to have like a, an undercurrent at all? Um, I don't think anything too bad. We did a water jump with
1: the uh, rucks one time and the winds were like 25 knots. And that was pretty gnarly. Uh, you know, did I ever tell you about that? Uh, uh-uh. we're looking out the window. So we went up to a uh, shark DZ up off the coast of, uh, uh, North Carolina and, uh, we're looking out the window and we can see whitecaps and whoever had the Kestrel on the ground, you know, like it's one of those situations where the jump is going to happen no matter what and you can see the whitecaps out there and then they're telling us like the, it's the wind is like five knots. And we decided to jump equipment because somebody decided it was a great idea. Um, uh, personal rucks, so uh, you know we all come out of the plane and you know, we fall pretty fast. And uh, you you drop your ruck, and so as soon as your ruck hits the water and creates that drag, you just get slammed into the water. It was just like an immediate whoa! And like uh, I remember, you know, you have your fins tied off to your leg. Uh, we didn't jump with our fins on. And my eighty pound test snaps right away. You know, like and you're just popping everything as fast as you can, and your your chute inflates. So there's a bunch of dudes, like, flying all over the place. Uh, kind of, I was riding my ruck. Like, I ended up just li- uh, following the line down to my ruck. You know, it's all waterproof and it's floating. And it was like, my, my uh it was like a sailboat. My parachute was a sailboat. So, like, once I survived that, all that and, and everything stopped hurting, I was just riding my ruck and waiting for the zode to come pick me up. But I don't remember a ton of, like, really bad undercurrents. We've done some, like, um pretty long fins into shore. And when you get that, that current... You know like every time you pop up to see where you're at and you're like I don't even I don't even know where I'm going. You know and then you're like you're like 45 degrees off and you're like oh man like we got to head out that way. But what about you?
0: Yeah, the um the North Sea over over in the UK, uh, England has got a in that channel has got a, a good undercurrent sometimes and and uh, I remember jumping out one time and in the the shoot caught it underwater so the chute is inflated underwater and just pulling you in it it takes you right down so those kind of situations right what's going to prepare you for that stress inoculation and spending a good amount of time underwater and getting your water confidence up Yep. sure sounds a lot lot like a pool session at NDOC or at SWIC or at ANS or pre-dive or something like that so um, just an example did you pop and just lose that shoot? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that shoot was gone. Oh my gosh, gone. <laughs> I mean, it, yeah. you know, but it, it it wasn't just me. Like there were several several people that it happened to. It was just you know, planes flying over. Everybody jumps, kind of in a line, and um, yeah, I didn't. We didn't lose every every shoot, but we uh, we lost probably three of the three of the seven or something like that. Yeah. Well, and
1: that's another thing. Like you gotta, and when you're doing that stuff. You gotta follow the rules, you know. Like, if you're not ready to pop your uh, your leg straps when you hit the water, and something like that happens, yeah, it's 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 gonna go bad really quick. The margin for errors is it gets slim pretty quick. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah. You gotta be. You almost want to, you know, kind of do the flare. <laughs> and pop the leg straps, you know, five feet beforehand so that you kind of fall instead of waiting until you hit the water and then, okay, one's jammed, you know?
1: <laughs> yeah. You probably need some experience before that because sometimes it's hard to see how far you are from the water and you don't want to pop your leg straps like 40 feet up. I don't know. That's what they say. But <laughs> it's better than being dragged into the abyss by your parachute.
0: Oh, yeah. But, man, there, there's there's a lot of um, kind of going back to the questions that you had asked. Uh, A few minutes ago, there's a lot of good times, um, you know, in the pipeline at at all of the schools, you know, funny times where people mess up or do something completely stupid. And now the whole team's getting smoked. Everybody's pissed at that person. But, you know, give it give it a couple weeks or get out of the smoke session and you start thinking about it. And you're like, oh, that was pretty funny, actually, you know, because we're not. Um. You know, the whole, if you're not cheating, you're not trying kind of thing, like people will try and get away with some stuff, which, hey, right on, you got to you got away with it, or sometimes you get caught and well, you go pay for it.
1: <laughs> right, And I think that brings up another good thing because we kind of uh, personality wise, how you react to being the person that messes up or, or when people give you a hard time and how personally you take it and how long you hang on to that stuff is going to affect your success level um because I mean you see it cuz as soon as it's it's blood in the water if you give a guy a hard time and they react to it emotionally like you just picked out your nickname for the rest of your career and you know like and people are never going to let it go people don't forget so uh that's a, another i think uh psychological part of of being on team or going through the pipeline and and all that other stuff and you have to learn how to get over stuff and just accept responsibility when you mess up and uh you know accept the hard time it's it's and then it's a good time then you're part of the team and it's
0: fun yeah. I mean, you can also just embrace it and act like it doesn't bother you when they give you the name Peaches and um <laughs> and then it just kind of sticks with you for, forever. <laughs> was that was not your first choice? You didn't uh well, I wasn't searching for a nickname. But yeah. the, it's a lot easier to yell Peaches than Petrus and it seems a little bit demeaning for a dude to have that kind of name. So, and then when you just go, "Yeah, okay, cool." And then everybody starts calling you Peaches, and you show that it doesn't bother you. Like, there you go. Then it just is what it is. It is what it is. Um, and I can't you introduce yourself to people like that, and then they're like, "Okay, what what's up with this dude?" I have gotten some people in trouble before, though, because people will save my number in their phone as Peaches, and then hey, they get a text from me, and then all of a sudden, Peaches pops up as a display without a picture, just the name Peaches. You know, after a trip or something like that, and then people think like, or their wives or something like that go, "Hey, um, who's this?"
1: Yeah, yeah. It happens. He's she sounds awful.
0: Yeah. Well, she sounds hideous. <laughs> yeah, she's a dude, so. So yeah.
1: <laughs> That's funny. I can't remember how many times like uh, I'd say a student's name wrong. It was sometimes on purpose and sometimes not, and they'd correct me and be like, "No." This is your name now, and this you know like you, I said, your I name would never right? Correct
0: somebody.
1: Yeah, you know, like if you if, if, if it was me, right, and the, you know if I was doing it to myself, and I'd be like Siege Miller, and if you know Airman Segmiller was like mm, it's Segmiller, it's like no, you know, and then like you're never gonna get past that. It's your Siege from now on, and, uh, and this is just how it goes. Yeah, but
0: the good. um, what's up? No, go ahead. I was just going to say that there is a difference, and, and of course, Maggie's, what, what do you want? you got to love a German Shepherd. They're so vocal. She's got a story. Yeah. yeah. She's, she's wanting to know why her owner, me, is not running her as much as I normally do. That's what she wants to know. Oh, why? Is it just lots of rain or just one of those things? Yeah, lots of, lots of rain, and she, she gets muddy and stuff like that, and I'm not trying to bring back a muddy dog no, it's not. It's not Florida up here where I could just go out running and you know, yeah. Anyway, mm. love the Pacific Northwest. It's great. It's beautiful, but it's, the, the best. it's rainy right now. Um, yeah. So I forget where I was going with that. I was going to ask some. Oh yeah, um, instructors in the pipeline. Like the cadre that you're going, that folks are going to meet, are professional, right? That doesn't mean that. Occasionally there is, um, not some things that are said that are passionate or unprofessional, but, and you're questioning why you're doing something, right? It, everything, especially within within AETC has a purpose. Like, again, why are we buddy breathing? Why are we doing grass and gorilla drills? Why am I doing underwaters? What does ditch and have to do with anything operational? But, Everything has a purpose, even if it's just to stress inoculate you or keep you on your toes. Like, well, this this instructor told me to do this, and now this instructor is telling me to this, which counteracts that. Well, maybe that's just to see how you act.
1: Yeah. Or maybe the instructors are, are you know, not communicating very pages. well.
0: Yeah, there's yeah. that too.
1: <laughs> and then just follow your, your latest orders or, you know and and do what you do or bring it up your, your team leader should have the uh, uh the they're in the position where they can bring it up and be like hey Sarn sarn so-and-so said this which is one of those like things where if a, a strong still or crow really helps a team out uh but yeah or sometimes it's just let's see what you go with and uh let it ride
0: so what are i know we've talked about characteristics before but like off the top of your head, and I know I'm kind of just randomly asking you this, but what are some instances that you've seen stows, crows, or um, even cross-training like NCOs um, kind of jump in on like situations and, and kind of course-correct something or do something really funny? Just in any kind of stow, crow, cross-training story, because I'm sure there are some really good ones. <laughs> I'm trying to think
1: i'll say first of all uh if you're coming in as a stow or a crow uh expectations for you are, are much higher so there's that um you know we we had it for the most part the the stows and crows are, are really good i remember we gave uh i actually think he's still in but we gave a certain stow candidate way back in the day a really hard time about having his teeth were too white and so uh we'd always tell him a sniper was going to get him but um there were, there were a couple really, uh, like older stoves that came through when I was at Keesler that we, we gave a hard time to. But, you know, like they, those two guys in particular weren't the strongest guys on team, but they were fantastic leaders and good people. And so, like, they had the ability to, when the, the cadre, uh, would say something, they could be like, Hey, Sergeant, but like, this is what we're supposed to be doing. Or, you know, like, the, you can start that negotiation with the sergeants and, and have that strong leadership on team. And, you know, it's funny. Uh, and, uh, you know, you make deals with them and, and do a, a few different things or challenges. Uh, but it, as long as they're willing to put themselves out there for the team and they're a good person, and they're, they're a performer, at the very least a performer, um, then, you know, that they can carry the team and, you know, have those jokes with the cadre and, and lighten things up a little bit. And then also hold the team accountable uh, when the cadre is not around to make sure everybody's doing the right thing. Uh, so having a, a strong, almost charismatic sto, you know, like, or it depends, right? Because there's, like, you can get by a few different ways. You can be uh, a leader that's just a, a a monster physically, right? And that always brings a certain amount of level of respect. And then there's the guys that, uh, like I said, these other two guys were probably a little bit older uh, than your average. I think they were captains at the time that they came through. But they were just good leaders, you know? And, and, and they as a, as a an enlisted cadre member, I still recognize their rank. You know, there's a certain time and a place to like tell them what to do and give instructions. Uh, but when they come into the office, it's always sir. You know, like hey, this is what's going on. It's a it's an open conversation, but it's not like we don't respect the the officer enlisted relationship at that point. So yeah, they. You have some fun times, and, and, and they have a little more leeway to uh, to take care of the team than, uh, than say, the retrainees. Retrainees have a certain amount of leeway, right? You come in as an NCO that comes with a certain amount of uh, respect for your experience. And then, you know, they can do a, a, the same thing to a certain point. I don't want to tell a very specific, funny story, but most of the stories I went towards were the, the people that we didn't like, and I don't really
0: want to bring those up. don't want to air that dirty laundry up. But you, you're yeah. right, though. Like, as a stow crow... Um, or cross-training you know nco you are held at a different standard you just are you're you've got um more education more experience um and hey man you you got to be able to lead these these men and women right out of like right out of base training right out of high school a lot of them you know and and they're looking to you for direction and um and you're gonna have to you'll have to lead them, um, you brought up the challenges. I used to love the challenges. Like you have the bets, you know. Um, so, hey, you're going to bet 108 counts or something like that for something stupid. I mean, it could be it could be out on a basketball court. Or it could be freaking, you know, hey, I'm going to, you know, 100 burpees or 108 counts um, whether I make this or, or not. And then somebody's like, oh, okay. All right, I, I want some of that bet. And it's like, okay your whole team agrees to this okay yeah all right and then you, it, he's, he's probably been out there draining draining threes all day long and yeah. just, all right well just chalk that one up that one's uh, that one's on you guys you guys can't leave here till you finish that or it's a hey we're up on the pad and there's a track down there and hey you have a minute 30 to get back up here if if everybody can get up here in a minute 30 we're done for the day. If not, we will do this and we will do this and this and this. And it's like, all right, <laughs> let's huddle around. Is it, is it one? Is everybody even physically able to make it from? Because it's not like doing it around the track in a minute 30. It's you're up on the pad, you got to make it down, run around track, then make it back up to the pad in minute 30. Okay, everybody's f- somewhat fresh right now. All right, just if we can do this one time. Yep. And of course, there's somebody that misses it by two seconds or something like that, and so all right, we're we're gonna do it again. We're gonna do it again. He can get it this time, but now people are gonna be pushing up. But if you make it though, you are done for the day. You make that that deal and that challenge, and you win. Like you really are done for the day, or whatever you know. They honor it. Yep. The instructors honor it, but most time it's it's few and far between that you're actually going to win that bet. Well, I mean,
1: but the, it, it kind of rolls into the cone science thing and the teamwork and all that other stuff because I know at the old selection course we had a thing where you were running 400s as a team and it was, a, I think, a minute 30 per lap for, it could either be six laps or 12 laps. And if you hit all six laps as a team at a minute 30 and I think a 45-second uh, break in between laps, then that's it, six and you're done. And if not, then you're going to keep going. And that's one of those things where you learn either you put out as a team and you get the, the six out of the way because you're going to get six no matter what. And then you're going to do some extras um, or, uh, you know, just stay out there in the heat in San Antonio running laps until you get it done. And it's amazing because, like, you know, you have those guys that mess themselves up in the head. And the, what are they thinking about? They're thinking about me. I can't do this. I can't run another minute 30 with only 45 second break or whatever uh, lap. And once they get past that, and they realize that the whole team is suffering, and then magically they're able to do it. That's, that's that's something that you're proving. You're helping the students prove to themselves that they can do it, and and the team is more important than the individual in that environment. So you it, know it yeah, ha- has a purpose.
0: It does a lot for the mental game. So yeah. it's it shows sacrifice. It shows mental toughness. It shows like like exactly what you said. Hope. Wow, I didn't think I could actually do it. And and I did. Well, you know, plus you're also with the, the physicality part of it, you you're in fact getting better. So it's I mean, those are the things that, that people are going, like, why why the hell are we doing this? Um, you know, this is just BS. Like we're just we shouldn't be doing this. We should be doing something else. But I mean, you're getting better all around. It's it's not doing anything negative for you.
1: No. No, it's 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 all it's all pretty positive as far as I can tell. And also, you know. Uh, through, as you go throughout all the events you uh as a team you you start to see who's who's who and your strengths and weaknesses you know so like in, in the old combat control South T pipeline by the time you made it to uh the apprentice course the the team leader whoever your team as a whole even if you'd like been broken up and, and put back together a few times as a team everybody knows each other and all their strengths and weaknesses so like it, it's it's a lot easier for the leadership on the team to uh figure out who's doing what where they're gonna have to step in and help uh, to get everybody through. Um, you know, and it's just one of those things. I wouldn't yeah, really go that.
0: I, I remember a, uh, demoralizing, Oh, it was funny, but demoralizing as well is the, uh, this is at end I don't know. There's 15 of us left or something like that. And we're doing interval sprints out on the track. And, um, the, the Commandant, he was a captain. He came down there in P in PT gear, but he was, you know, just came down from the office and, um, and he's like, I tell you what, if anybody can beat me on these, you guys are done. And everybody's like, oh, okay. We hadn't seen him run. I mean, he's, you know, it's not like he's out there training with us. He was the, the commandant. And um, then he takes his shoes off and he goes barefoot. And he's like, I'm going to run like this barefoot too. And everybody's like, yeah, we definitely want that bet. Yeah, even I'm like, yeah, okay. Barefoot, that dude... Not only beat us, but he was—he was quite a distance ahead of us. Just doing a four hundred. It's like, well, okay, well, we're gonna be out of here for a while now, yeah. barefoot.
1: Like the commandant needs to have his fun. He's stuck in the office. He wants to go out there and a he wants to see if he can do it, and b, you know, I'm a, he wants I'm to show the, the students. <laughs> yeah, you yeah, you. It was nuts. I think that's that's a a thing about our community, though, is the. The the officers go through the same or more suck than the enlisted guys, which I think is maybe the only place in the Air Force where that happens, other than like air crews where pilots go through flight school, which is apparently hard. I don't know. I hear it's, I hear bad things, hard things. But you know <laughs> what I mean? Like the the, the, op, the officers, you 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 respect them for the the not only the shared experience, but you know, they also had another selection on top of that, and the, the the standards that they were held to were higher. So, you know, it's not like you're walking in the office to talk to the uh, the boss, and he's a just some random officer that made it through school that didn't do the same stuff. So, I, I always thought that was a really positive thing. Like when we did the integration, when the Saudi came over to the two series units,
0: I was actually pretty excited about that. Yeah, there's, yeah, we have some some phenomenal officers. Uh, we really do. Uh, I mean, I could, I could go all, all day and and talk about each one of them, but it's just, it's a different, it's a different mindset. And I, and I don't say it disparagingly of, of the other officer corps, you know, whether it's, um, pilots, maintenance, like whatever, but it's just like our stoves and crows are leading people in unusual situations. Uh, where there are people doing extraordinary things, is the is kind of the best way I can put it. Just you know, pulling it out of my butt right now. I just like there. There's been some incre- and and some of those officers have also not just you know led people, but have also done some incredible things. I mean, there you know we have a, a several stoves that have you know purple hearts, bronze stars with valor. Um, what, Barry Crawford's got a Air Force Cross kind of thing as a stow. You know, I mean, so there's there's people out there that are have done some incredible things and continue to do some incredible things.
1: Well, as I think as, as soft enablers, we breed a certain level of uh individualism that's maybe a little bit different than you know some of our our counterparts and so they lead a whole group of individuals that have had their souls crushed and are some, you know, hard dudes. It takes a certain type of person, you know, like if you run in a random person, you start you go in there and, you know, you read a leadership book and you start telling people what to do. I mean, it's not the kind of community where people just listen to you just because of whatever rank or uh, going back to rank, right? Your rank or whatever that you have on your, your chest. Like credibility is the, you know, that's the, the, that's what you need. That's what you need to lead people. You have to have it.
0: Yep. And you're going to make mistakes. It's, it's hard. It's not easy. It is hard.
1: I wouldn't um, want to lead us. It's got to be awful. <laughs> oh,
0: man, it does. It's, uh, there's, a, there's, well, why? I mean, what, would you really want to uh, work with people that capitulate and just like roll over and like, oh, okay, well, that's what it is? No. 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 I, I expect a certain amount of um, pushback, if you will. Yeah. I don't, you know, tell me I'm wrong. Tell me I'm messed up. Tell me that, but you better tell me the right way then. Right. That's the case. Cause at some point I'm making, I'm, you know, me or the Stowe or crow, or whoever it is, whoever's in charge is making a decision. Um, You know, and, and some people want it to be, they want a hundred percent of the information. Some people want half of the information. I'm like an 80% person. I want 80% of the info. And I'm good at 80%. Like, we'll just go. I'll, I may make the wrong decision, but um, at least we're, we're going in a direction instead of hesitation and kind of like, oh, I don't know, because that's bad, too. That's really bad.
1: Yeah. Hesitation. Yeah. I think that you brought up something good, though. Like the, It is a community where people want to know why. You know, it's uh it's not, hey, guys, we're going to do this. And everybody's just like, oh, hoo ya, sir, we're going to go do this. It's like, hey, uh, why are we doing that? And if you have like a reason, like I, I find myself in the pipeline, even with the students, I just, I think based on my experience, I explain to them probably ad nauseum. And even when they don't want it, the why's of everything that we're doing, if they're getting smoked the why's and how it applies and all that other stuff, because that's the kind of person I am. I, I, you know, I, I want the why, but I also want the challenge. So like, like our leaders, I think are the same type of people. They want the challenge of leading these people and, uh, yeah, and then you got to tell them why, at least to a certain extent, right? And actually, it's, it's funny because we were doing some stuff for the SKT the other day. We were we we're testing some uh, material, and uh, um, it's it's just interesting to see like some of the stuff that they were they were leaning towards. It was like the, some of the, the leadership questions or whatever, and um, that we, we we came up with this thing where like in certain situations you can. Uh, you can't ask questions or you can push back, right? And during mission planning, there's no rank. Everybody says what they think. But, like, on the X, unless it's, it's going to cost someone their life or, or mission failure, you just do what you're told. And then the hot wash, once again, like, there's not really any rank and everybody just says what they want. And so as we went through some of this stuff and seeing how the Air Force, you know, crafted some of these things, you know, we explained to the guys, like, hey, like, hey, this may sound silly, but in this situation, if you're already performing a task – Like, that's not the time where I'm expecting an airman to be like, hey, there's a better way to do this. It's like, because in our community, we already pre-briefed it, and uh, you had your opportunity to say something. And once we're doing the task, like, just get the task done, and then we can talk about it later. But anyway, that's kind of a rambling.
0: No, but that was good, though. I mean, that's – everybody needs buy-in, like, especially – you know, and I know it's different when, when you start talking about, like, maintainers, because they have to follow technical orders. They have to follow certain things because the avionics or whatever it is in the aircraft, it has procedures to make sure that it works so that when somebody's flying it or something like that, something's wrong. That's different than what we're talking about. We're talking about, there's an or that you're talking about, there's an objective, thousand different ways to attack this objective, Um and everybody has a piece of that and everybody's in, input matters. Um, there, there's no, you know, okay, so I could have input because, hey, I've seen this for X amount of years um, looking at this, this problem set. This is what I think. But also that, that senior airman that's six months out of the pipeline knows something that I don't. He 100% knows something that I don't and he can provide a different perspective to that problem set. That I didn't even know existed, and so I'm like, "Oh, well, okay. Well, let's let's may we may not go completely that direction, but let's take a portion of that and bring it in. And we, you know, we've got somebody that's doing the route. We've got somebody that's doing the risk management part of it. We got somebody that's doing the the joint terminal attack control, building the air picture around it. So everybody's got a piece. Everybody's got buy in, um, and so that if something's messed up or something doesn't look right like it is on every single person in there to say something like because everybody's at risk in there that's why everybody has buy-in
1: well and i and i think if you're a, a new guy on team you need to speak up and and share what you think would work based on your pipeline experience what you've been taught and if it's the wrong way to do it you know like these guys like you you have 20 plus years experience right You're not going to know, you're not going to get the history of how many times that hasn't worked or has worked or why it doesn't work unless you present it as an option, unless you like have those conversations. Don't just sit there and let the experienced guys go over everything because you're not going to learn anything if you don't have those conversations. So, like, it's an opportunity either for the older guys to be like, bro, I never thought about it that way, or to be like, hey, man, we tried that way back in the day and this is why it failed. So, maybe take, like you said, pieces of it might be like a, a good idea, or you know. At least now that senior will know, like, oh, hey, this has already been tried, and it was a colossal failure, and now I see why, and and you know, then they can just put that away and move forward and find other solutions.
0: But you're right that you got to tell, you got to say why. You can't just go, well, this is the way we've always done it. No, I hate that answer. Ugh. This is the way we've always done it is <clears throat> awful. You need to go, hey, we've done it that way, it doesn't work. Here's why, or here's why we do it the way that we do it, and then go from there. Right. Just the, the, well, that's the way we've always done it. Ugh. I hate, I almost <laughs> threw up when you said that. <laughs> <laughs> that was the, the worst. Yeah. But it happens. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I think um, probably other career fields hear it a little bit more than ours. Um, maybe. I, I don't know. Maybe it's just a fallacy on my, on my part, but... <laughs> And I hate I hate that answer. Yeah, I mean, we we exist to
1: solve problems, right? To solve complex problems, and and no no two missions are going to be the same. Especially a real world mission. Once you hit contact or anything like that, you need that flexibility. You need that problem solver. You need someone that feels comfortable using their freaking brain to to you know accomplish the mission, get out of their lives. So uh, I don't think we stymie that creativity. You know. I mean, sometimes if someone's, like, doing some paperwork and we tell them they're an idiot and do it this way and I don't know how you don't know this already and your emails are unprofessional or whatever, you know, like we might use language, but, Stop talking
0: about my emails to you.
1: Not your emails. (laughs) I'm just sensitive. I got a, it was funny, my first time when I went from AFSOC to AATC, I remember uh, when we were standing at the pipeline, I was emailing, you know, a whole bunch of chiefs and all those other people and I was uh, a staff sergeant. I remember I sent out, like, this mass email to a bunch of chiefs And I was really, like, laissez-faire, and, you know, like, I'm just used to talking to my guys on team. And I got, uh, a chief came back at me and was like, bro, apparently you've never learned how to write emails, and this is what you need to do. It's not just you and me, because, like, I was pretty friendly with him. Um, But uh, he hammered me pretty hard about it. You know, I've never forgot it. And now, uh, when I went back on team after ATC, and I'd see guys writing emails, I'm like, slow down. Who are you sending that to? Like, how, how, does this email have the ability to travel? Because the way that it looks to you and the way that you make our unit look, our squadron look, uh, if this email travels to other places, it's going gonna, it's gonna to read different in different environments. So it was just
0: one of my so, career moments that I'll never forget. So, yeah, you'll never forget it, right? I mean, I just, I don't know, a month ago I had somebody, uh, staff, but he's uh, tech select, send an email to, you know, not, not a whole list of chiefs, but you know, some, some higher up chiefs. And uh, he had asked me beforehand and I was like, yeah, man, go for it. Like, it's like, just CC me on it. You know? And, um, you, cause he was adamant about this. I'm like, all right, man, go for it. You know, now I got some slack for allowing it to happen. Like I got, I got some crap from, from some of the guys for allowing it to happen. I'm like, he will never forget that response that he received, you know, from the other. And so that was a learning point. That's all, that's all it was. Speaking of which, learning point, if you're out here and you're listening and you don't know how to type, like without looking, like if you're typing like this, fix yourself. Take, if you're in high school, take a class. If you're out of high school, take a class. They're free. Learn how to type without uh, looking at the keyboard. It goes back to, um, and I'm gonna I'm gonna tie this up, and then you can you can wrap us up, Trent. But think about if I don't have to think about typing, right? I free up bandwidth. Very much like if I'm at the most physical ready I can possibly be before the pipeline. That that whole eighty um, percent mental, twenty percent physical in the pipeline. If I'm the most physical um, ready I can be. That's 20% that I don't have to worry about. Now I just need to worry about the 80%. So I free up bandwidth. Same thing with typing. It sounds silly, but listen, uh, that's, a, that's a pro tip. Learn how to type without, look, without punching keys with fingers. But my phone just completes the words for me,
1: so I don't have to learn how to type. I'm really well, good with f- my thumbs. I'm not. I hate texting. I've I don't know if you've noticed terrible,
0: that. I've, I've become a terrible speller without a correct
1: no but that, that makes sense It's uh, it, yeah. so I think uh, we, we talked about I'm not sure what we talked about but um, I think we we covered some really important ground here today and hopefully uh, shared insight into the uh, special warfare community and uh, I think uh, the last few points I would make is um, whatever the courses are called don't worry about it just trust the process get into the process and, and do the best that you know how And the other thing that I was, I I couldn't remember the word a little bit earlier, but credibility equals currency. That's what I was trying to say earlier. And of course, as I'm speaking the sentences, my brain blanks out. It's like I'm typing and staring at the keyboard. I just lose all control over what's happening. But um, yeah, thanks for listening. Thanks for coming out. Uh, Obviously, this is the first uh, Peaches and Trent show, whatever you guys want to call this series. If it's going to be a series, let us know what you think. And uh, we'll catch y'all next week. Remember to train hard, earn each breath, and we'll see you later. Bye.